0: Let's get into it. So we are in week three of our series called Labels. Week one, we talked about, who do we talk about? A, a character in the Old Testament? Moses, well done. Moses, uh, and he was a child, and we talked about how Moses uh, was called by God to do something great, um, but he didn't see anything in himself that could do what God called him to do, And God revealed some of his own character to Moses, so Moses could feel confident to step out in obedience. Week one, we talked about this idea that whose we are is more important than who we are. Whose we are is more important than who we are. Last week, we looked at Jesus. No, David. Yes, we looked at David and we looked at the fact that he was forgiven. Uh, He was a man after God's own heart, uh, yet he stumbled in sin pretty terribly, uh, pretty royally, and he was forgiven. Ha ha ha, Brad. Ha ha ha. Uh, we looked at some of you. Don't get that joke. Forgiven people, David was a king. Forgiven people give. Forgiven people give Jesus and give praise. Um, and David uh, was forgiven to the point that he was driven to do something with his forgiveness. It didn't stop with him, but it drove him to to tell others about the, the greatness of God that he's experienced and to, to tell God about how great he was. Uh, and we looked at Psalm 51. This morning, we're going to look at Sarah. I'm going to call her Sarah the whole morning. I'm not going to call her Sarai. I'm just going to call her Sarah because I'll get confused. Because uh, I will. I'm easily confused. So let's read Genesis 21. 1 to 7, and then we'll, we're going to have a look at some of Sarah's life. Genesis 21. Starting at verse 1, it says this, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as He had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what He had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God promised him. Abraham Gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. And when his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Lord God, would you help us to hear your voice this morning? And would you help us to see how good you are? And how you've called us and how you've chosen us to be yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Kids, well done. All right. Don't know if you like uh, me, but I love to eat. I love to eat. But when I am hungry, it's very hard to decide what to eat. You have noticed this? The more hungry you are, I don't know if it's true for you, but the more hungry you are, the harder it is to choose what to eat. Uh, especially when there's a group decision. It's like, all right, we're all going to have dinner together at six o'clock and like, we've got to order something. What are we going to eat? Oh, Thai, oh, fish and chips, pizza, McDonald's, KFC. I mean, I always default to McDonald's or KFC, but no one else in the groups that I hang out with, I need to get new friends. Like, it's, I like agreeing with me they're like kfc for dinner sunny all right let's hang out let's have kfc i like that um and we put so much thought into what we're gonna what we're gonna eat um, and then we just settle for toast no not really but you know it's it's hard especially if you're going out uh for dinner and you want to choose somewhere to eat uh in a place that you don't know uh, in a town that you're not uh, well acquainted with, it's very hard to decide where to eat. Um, and we put a lot of thought into, I think, um, at least I do, into something that's not really that important. It's just, it's just food. We know what's going to happen to it. We know where it's going to end up. Uh, don't give too much thought. Um, we are in the middle of some renovations at home and we're in the process now of choosing some bathroom fittings. And I mean, this is like next level hard decisions it's harder than choosing what to eat choosing what sort of vanity to have and what sort of bath to have and what sort of taps to have and what's like does the sink have to be the same shape as the bath does the bath and the sink have to be the same material do the taps have to be the same as the the room next the other bathroom Does you know all these massive massive decisions and big decisions and we put a lot of thought, uh, at least uh, we try to put a lot of thought into making these decisions and we still can't decide, so if you've got any suggestions, please help, um, into what bath we'll get and what vanity we'll get and what, I well, mean, we've already chosen the tiles and we've already chosen, that's it, the tiles. Um, so we're, we'll have a wet room and we'll just get a hose in there and just whoosh, it'll be great. Um, but big decisions, sometimes we put a lot of thought into decisions and sometimes we put no thought into decisions. God, when he chooses you and me, puts a lot of thought into it, and he is very intentional in his choice. He does not sit back in heaven and go, oh, oh, there's another human, oh, what am I going to decide for them to do? I better think of something quick. No, before time begins, God chooses us for a particular purpose. He has a particular thing in mind for us to do, and for Sarah, he chose Sarah before time began to be the the mother of nations, if you like, the, the one that would give birth to Isaac and who we would look at and preach on today. He chose Sarah before time began, regardless of Sarah understanding that she was chosen. And so we're going to look this morning about how God chooses Sarah and how God chooses us for a particular task. So we're going to step through some of Sarah's life. We're going to fly through Genesis. Uh, we'll start at chapter 11 and, and, get, and we'll finish at Genesis. Genesis 21, where we read this morning. So, we see Sarah come onto the scene in in around Genesis uh, 11, uh, and we sort of learn that Sarah is barren. She can't have children. It says in Genesis 11, verse 30, now Sarah was barren, she had no child. So, right from the get-go, we see that there is a problem with Sarah being chosen to have lots of kids. I mean, there's a big problem. I mean, the biggest problem, um, bar being a male, you could have is Sarah was barren. She could not have children. She could not um, bear children. So she was unable to do or to be what God intended for her to be. And the first point or the first understanding of when it comes to being chosen by God that I want us to understand, I'm going to come back to this at the end, is that you don't have what it takes you don't have what it takes to do the thing that God's calling you to do. You don't have what it takes to to be the person God's choosing you to be. You, on your own, don't have what it takes. And we should take great comfort in that truth. Because that means that somebody else, and I'm sure you'll know who, has what it takes, and he will give us what it takes. So Sarah had no children. Um, she had nothing, no evidence to prove that in her life that she could do this or she could be this kind of person. And you might look at your life and think, what has God chosen me for? What have I got to offer? I've got nothing. My life is barren. My life doesn't have the fruit, doesn't have the, the things that I would hope it would have to do what God has called me to do. And you might be in Sarah's, uh, in this season of Sarah's life where you feel like you just have nothing to offer. You have nothing going for you but Sarah was chosen for something great not because she had what it took or she had something great to offer but because God had what it took and he had something great to offer her so she was barren then in chapter 12 we see that God gives Sarah and Abraham the promise they're going to be chosen they're going to have a lot of children it says in Genesis 12 verse 1 to 6 let's see after these things the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision fear not Abram, I am your shield, your your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliza of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir, for your very own shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and count the number of the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. So the promise that God gives Abraham and Sarah flies in the face of their reality. It's completely against what they see in their own life. You can imagine that Abraham and Sarah at this point in their life are like, they're already getting on in age and they get even further on in age. They're thinking, this is ridiculous that God would say this to us. And God I think always chooses us for a bigger purpose than what we see for ourselves. He chooses Sarah and Abraham to to be the father and mother of many nations, the father and uh, mother of the Israelites. And I'm sure that they didn't understand that what they were chosen for would still be talked about thousands of years later. It was bigger than what they could understand. I wonder if Sarah knew that thousands of years later, we would still be talking about her faith and her story. I doubt it. And I wonder if we understand what God's purpose for us is, what God has chosen us for, because I guarantee it's bigger than what you could understand. It's bigger than what you could comprehend or appreciate. It says in Ephesians 2 verse 10, that we are God's masterpiece. And he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God has planned out your life like he planned out Sarah's before time began. And he has chosen you and it's dependent on, um, it's not dependent on your ability to rationally see or understand what he's chosen you for, but on his infinite creative ability. Your purpose is bigger than you, and it reaches further than you could see. He has a promise for you. He has a purpose for you. And it's not limited to what you can see in your own life. It's not limited to what you can uh, comprehend in your own experience. But it's limited to his unlimited creativeness and his unlimited ability. So this is what happens. Abraham and Sarah... I love that God takes Abraham out of the tent. It's like in his sort of limited view on life, he can't see this is how it's happening. And then God takes him out of that experience, out of that sort of setting, and takes him outside and says, look now. And I think for some of us, God wants to take you out of your little bubble of what you think is possible, of what you think is what you can see. And he wants to take you out of that and and say, look now. Look at the stars. Look at how big I am. Don't limit my ability to do something with your life based on what you can see in your own life. And I think he wants to take us out of that tent and to look at the stars and try to count them. See the impossibility of that task. To see the the limitlessness, is that a word? Of his ability and who he is. So here we have Abraham and Sarah and they've got this I suppose this contradiction in their life—they've got their reality and they've got this promise. So then, what do they do? What happens next is that they think, "Well, I can—I can see how this could work." There's a there's a there's a servant girl—a servant girl called Hagar. Maybe she's the one. Maybe it's like we'll compromise. So let's see what happens in Genesis 16. Says now, Sarah, and Abr- Abram's wife had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said to Abram, "Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go, um, go into my servant, and it may be that I shall obtain children by her." And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So Sarah and Abram get the vision, the promise to kids, like stacks of kids, lots and lots of kids. I mean, they're probably. As soon as they hear that promise, they're probably buying shares in Kia, thinking we're going to need minivans. Um, And after the vision, they begin to think and talk, and they think, well, how's this going to work? How are we going to see this happen? Maybe, Maybe God's made a mistake, or maybe God's vision for our life or His purpose was sort of a cryptic one. Maybe He didn't really mean what He said. Maybe He meant something else. Maybe God doesn't really need... Sarah maybe just needs Abraham. Maybe he maybe you know it's just sort of like figuratively I'm going to mother you know somebody but someone else is going to be the biological mother. And so Hagar gets the call up. You you're the one, you're the plan. I think I think God's got going to do this through you, not through me. But God's plan for Sarah had nothing to do with Hagar. God's plan for Sarah was not Hagar's plan. Hagar's plan, I'm sure, was something else. God had a plan for her life. But God's plan for you is not dependent on somebody else. God's plan for you doesn't is not to be shafted or to be thought of that somebody else can do it. I think the biggest lie that the enemy can throw our way is that somebody else can do that. You know, God, I think God's calling me to, to do this or to do that. But, I mean, if I don't do it, he'll work it out and he'll get someone else to do it. But I want to say that God, He will work work it out. But the the influence, the thing that God intended for you to do, won't happen in in the same way, to the same degree, if you don't do it. If you're not the person that God has called you to be. We can think that God's plan doesn't really require us. That He can make what He wants to happen through someone else. But it won't uh, have the same purpose fulfilled. Hagar gives birth to Ishmael. And he wasn't the plan God intended. Isaac was. So don't fall for this lie that God doesn't really need you. That God can use somebody else. God has chosen you for a particular purpose. He's chosen you and purposed you for something great. And his plan is not for somebody else. His plan for someone else is their plan. But his plan for you is your plan. Is your purpose. And so... Hagar, in verse 15 of Genesis 16, it says, Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore Ishmael. And so maybe, maybe this is what God meant when God said he'll, he'll bless us with many children. Maybe Ishmael is the, the promise. Maybe he's the fruit. And I think Abraham and Sarah began to settle for second best. Ishmael's born and there's sort of this empty feeling. Is this, is this it? Is this what God really promised? Is this what God intended? I feel like it was something different to this, but maybe this is it. Maybe this is it. I, I mean, I know God said to Sarah that she'll have numerous children, but maybe that was code for something else. Do we settle for second best? I know you're calling me to reach the lost, but maybe encouraging the found is what you really meant. God, I know you chose me to write songs, but maybe listening to them is what you really meant. God I know you called me to go on mission but maybe just funding mission is what you really meant. God I know you called me to lead a small group but maybe just going to one is what you really meant. God I know you called me to serving kids but maybe praying for the kids is what you really meant. God I know you called me to give generously but maybe saving lots is what you really meant. Don't settle for second best, don't settle for for anything but God's best plan for your life. God's chosen you for something Specific, pacific, specific. Something intentional, something that only you can do. To reach people only you can reach. Don't settle for second best. God doesn't give up on Abraham and Sarah at this point. And I love this about God. That even though Abraham and Sarah are like, taking life into their own hands, trying to make things work out for themselves in their own way, God comes back straight away in Genesis 17 and says again, this is what's going to happen. Let's read it. Genesis 17, verse 15 to 17. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her, and I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Uh, Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. And said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? God is still going after Abraham and Sarah, still calling them, still reminding them, You are chosen for something great. Don't settle for Ishmael. That is not the promise. That's not what I've called you to. Don't settle. He's quick to forgive. Our God is quick to forgive, even when we mess up, even when we try to take our own own path, our own way. He is quick to forgive and quick to remind us that our plan is still intact, that he can still use our life. Even at 190 years old, Abraham and Sarah have not messed it up enough for God to say, well, you know, it's too late now. They were still breathing. God could still use them. I want you to imagine for a minute in this moment what Sarah is feeling when God says to Abraham, Sarah's outside this sort of tent. Um, Oh, sorry, no, this is the next next chapter. what, um, What Sarah's thinking when she sees and hears Abraham laughing at God's plan for her life. How much this would hurt Sarah. Sarah's own husband laughing at the idea that God could use her. I mean, he was laughing at himself as well, yes, but he was laughing at Sarah all the same. I mean, if Hagar had laughed at Sarah, you know, ouch, that would have hurt a bit. If Lot had laughed at Sarah, maybe that would have hurt a bit, but her her own husband laughing at Sarah like, (laughs) God can't use you for that. God can't do that through you, Sarah. You're too old. There's nothing like that pain. Sarah's own husband disqualifying her from being used by God. Sarah, God can't use you. The laugh of those closest to her surely crushed her hopes more than anything else. And what about us? What laughing voice has been hurled your way? God can't use you. He can't use someone who's shy and quiet. He can't use someone who's divorced. He can't use someone who's been abused. He can't use someone who is female. He can't use someone who's young. What laugh has been echoed your way? And this is the laugh of the enemy. This is the voice of the enemy. It always goes against what God says. God says, I want to use it for this. And then there's this voice that maybe someone close to us is. Shouted our way or whispered our way, God can't really do that in your life. And maybe they haven't explicitly said it, but they've said it in a way that's strong enough for us to believe. This is the laugh of the enemy, not God. And then this laugh turns into our own laugh. Look what happens in Genesis 18. They said to him, verse 9, Where is Sarah, your wife? And, and he said, She is in the tent. And the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. He's still reminding them of the promise. She'll have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years, the way of the woman had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have this pleasure? And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? I love this bit. It sounds like two children talking. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I'll return to you, and about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh. She was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. I just love that sort of conversation. I didn't laugh. No, you did. No, I didn't. You did. It's like, come on, guys, grow up. But Abraham's laugh, had turned into Sarah's own laugh. Her own label, her own sense of identity had been taken on from what Abraham had said about her. She's too old, she can't do it. And now Abraham's believing that for herself. I'm too old, I can't do this. Abraham's laugh had become her own laugh. God can't use me. Someone else's laugh turns into our own laugh. Sarah, deep in her heart, didn't believe God could do anything with her. She didn't believe God had really chosen her for anything significant. Her past experience told her this. Her husband had told her this. The voices around her had given her no hope of believing God. It's true for us. The voices around us will either push us to believe God or destroy hope and cause us to stop believing God. The voices around us end up becoming our own voice if we listen to them more than we listen to God's voice. So maybe the label someone else has given you has been the loudest voice in your own head. And you're like Sarah at this point, God can't use me. My experience tells me this. My husband tells me this. It won't happen. Not only is this a challenge for us to think about what voice it is that's echoing loudest in our head, but it's a a challenge for us in terms of what voice are we echoing in other people's life. Are we the echo of God? God can use you. It doesn't matter that it looks like you can't. It doesn't matter this obstacle or that obstacle. If God's called you to that, God can make a way. Are we echoing God's voice that you are chosen? You have a purpose. God has got something great for you. Or do we echo the enemy's voice? God, yeah, you're probably right. God can't use you. You're probably past it. You're probably too young. You're probably too this. You're probably too that. You probably can't do what God's really called you to. Do we echo God's voice or do we echo the enemy's voice? I really encourage us to push people to, to be who God has called them to be. At every chance, echo the call of God in people's ears, echo the call of God in your own ears. Don't let the enemy's laugh become your laugh. God can use you, God does choose you, He has chosen you for a particular purpose. So, Abraham's laughed at Sarah. Sarah's laughed at herself at this idea, and then I love this in Genesis 21, God's laugh. God has the last laugh in Genesis 21. Let's read it again. It says, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said. As he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. We could just meditate on that verse. God did what he said. He did what he promised. He will do what he says, and he will do what he promises Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son. Isaac means he laughs. I love that. To the son Sarah bore him. And when his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, Who would have said to Abraham and Sarah that Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. God will have the last laugh. His promise doesn't fail. Sarah has a son at an impossible age and sees God's purpose for her life fulfilled. Like I said, Isaac means he laughs. And God's laugh is the one that people will know and see when the fulfilment of the promise comes. I love that in verse 6, where it says, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. The laugh of Abraham won't be remembered, the laugh of Sarah won't be remembered, but the laugh of God will. God's promise fulfilled shouts God's glory, shouts God's purpose, helps people see the goodness of God when you are faithful to to hang on to the promise and the hope that God has given you, people will remember and see God through that. It will be for God's purpose. God's life is the one that people will know when the, the fulfillment of the promise comes. So how does this happen for Sarah? How does Sarah find herself in a place where she is chosen by God and that God's fulfillment and God's purpose is worked out in her life? I think it's clearly spelled out for us in Hebrews 11, verse 11. One verse that tells us what happens. It says, By faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to hear, have bare children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. She considered that God was faithful. God is who he says he is. He will do what he says he will do. She kept her eyes on God and his purpose for her life. She wasn't perfect in this though she wavered she forgot about this she laughed at this but at some point before genesis 21 there was a moment where she believed god that she hang hang on to that promise that god had something great for her to do that she was god's masterpiece and there was good things for her to do to walk in she held on to that and she kept her eyes fixed on god She wasn't perfect, she messed up like David did last week, but God still chose her for this purpose. She didn't have what it took. She was barren, she had no children. She wasn't able to have children, but God still worked his promise through her. Even despite the impossibility of the task, she kept her eyes on God and considered him faithful. Her sin didn't disqualify her. Her age didn't disqualify her. Her lack of belief didn't disqualify her. And for me, and hopefully for you, this is a huge encouragement because I often find myself in in moments in life like Sarah, writing myself off because of some thing that's wrong with me, writing myself off because I don't have enough belief or faith, writing myself off because someone else has. But God never writes us off. God never says, oh, you're you're probably right, Brad. You're probably, you're probably done and dusted. You probably don't have what it takes. You're probably no good at that. You probably don't have enough faith. God never says that over me. He never says that over you. God has chosen you. Hang on to that promise. Hang on to that hope. God has chosen you for His purpose. And as long as you are still breathing, God can fulfill His promise in your life. Keep looking to Him and consider Him faithful to the promise. You don't have what it takes to fulfill God's plan for your life, but He does. Get yourself around people who are echoing the call of God rather than a dead end to hope. And be that person as well. Be someone who echoes the call of God for each other. Don't settle for second best. Don't think, oh, this must be it. Maybe when God said this, He really meant that. Don't settle for second best. Keep your eyes fixed. Keep reminding yourself of God's promise. Keep hearing God's promise in your life. And hang on to that. God has chosen you. And no one else can do what God's chosen you for. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your love towards us, Lord, even when we don't have the faith to believe you. When the voice that we've been listening to is not yours. God, you still choose us. You still call us by name. You still have a purpose for us. We're still your masterpiece and there's good things for us to do in Christ Jesus. And God, I pray that each and every person in this room this morning would know that call that you have and that they would not settle for second best. And God, I thank you that as we strive to to live out the call you have for us, that people will see and hear your laugh, the laugh of joy, the laugh of fulfillment, the laugh of of a faith, of a promise kept. God, you're so good to us. And we pray that we would hear your voice above every other voice this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand and worship as we close this morning.